Well, thanks for joining us this afternoon. I'm grateful uh, for your presence here and also for this team. This team has worked hard in order for us to present this service online today. Uh, it was a couple of years ago, three years, I think, where the, our leadership team met together. And one of the questions that we had to struggle with was, what would you do uh, as a church if you could no longer meet as a church? How would you divide out? How would you do things differently? And it was a lot of good insight uh, from that meeting. But today, we get to practice that. And I'm so grateful for this online service. It's something new uh, that I've never done before. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in this day. As we gather this day, uh, I don't know what this feels like to you. But I go back to 9-11. And all the things that were going on, all the questions that we had, and it seemed like we were just in a tailspin. Uh, I relate today and what we're going through with all this virus and all the things that we're faced with with something similar to that. Uh, we do have a hope, and that hope, that name is Jesus, and that's who we worship today. So in your homes today, I encourage you, if you will just uh, grab your Bible, uh, grab your family, and let's go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare our hearts for what he has for us this day. So pray with me. Uh, Lord, I'm so grateful for uh, this medium that we can even do worship online. And I pray that you be present in the homes that are there that represent Get Well. I'm so grateful to be able to do life with them. But we confess today that we are broken. Uh, we need your healing. And so this day, you speak to us through your word, and let this time with our family be so rich, so deep, so good, as we just honor you. Uh, grateful for who you are. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Well, this morning we get to continue in a, our worship sermon series that are dealing with the miracles of Jesus that we find in, in John. Uh, today we come to that third miracle that's found in John 5. This is a physical healing of a man that was at the pool of Bethesda that we read about in that particular chapter. And for 38 years, this man has been uh, by that pool uh, looking for healing, a hope for healing. And Jesus walks in and he looks directly at this man and he asks the question, do you want to be made well? And that question seems to be so strange to us because it's a no-brainer. Uh, well, certainly, I want to get well. We all want to get well, right? I mean, whether it's physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, we all want to get well. So it's not like, uh, can I get back to you on that type of answer? Because we all have that desire uh, to be made well. But here's the deal. With Jesus asking that que question of the man of whether he wants to be made well or, or not, it's very clear uh, that Jesus has the desire and wants to bring us healing that only he can give. Jesus desires and he wants, to be made, wants us to be made whole. So the bigger question that you and I need to answer is this. Do we really believe that? Do you and I believe that Jesus wants to heal us? What are your beliefs about the healing when it comes to understanding who God is? And that do you believe that God is still in the business 
of healing miraculously, whether it being physical or spiritual, whether it's emotional or relational, do you believe that Jesus wants to heal us? Now, today's going to be a little different. Uh, you see, I don't know what you believe or what you trust about the healing power of God, whether He still heals today as He did back in the first century. As I share with you today, I want you to know this. I'm giving you what I have settled in my heart on this issue because I had to find that answer for myself about this physical healing. You see, I, like you, have those loved ones in my family who have needed or need uh, the miraculous healing power of God. And then I get news from you about different struggles that you have, heartaches or tests or exams that are coming up for you that uh, you have about what you might be going through. Or maybe I hear about a broken relationship or a struggle that's going on. So I had to settle that issue about God's miraculous healing for me as I walk beside you and I walk beside the family members that I have. Today I share with you what I have settled in my heart when it comes to this topic of God's miraculous healing. Now, as we close this service today, I want you to be aware that there's going to be opportunity uh, for us to receive prayers for healing, for the brokenness of your life, whatever it may be. So I want you to anticipate what God might do right now in your home as you've gathered and as we worship here together. I want you to think about what you need to offer to God uh, for God's healing. Here's where we begin today. We begin by declaring the goodness of God. He is a good God. He makes an offer to be our Heavenly Father. God is in charge. His kingdom is coming. And because He is in charge and because His kingdom is coming, uh, we can unashamedly say, I need help. Heal me. Encourage me. Lead me. Forgive me. We need to be people who unashamedly say, help me. And so right now in your home, as you've gathered, as you're watching this screen, I want you to name the things that you need God's healing. What is it that you can name? And maybe just at this moment, will you just whisper, heal me, heal me. Let's make that request to him. The desperation of that request brings us to two statements. The first is this. The first statement is that, is that we need healing. And the second is that God will heal us. There's little argument about that first statement, that we need healing. No matter how many times that we eat better, we sleep more, take more vitamins, we exercise more, the wear and tear of this life is just there. There's cancer. There's dementia. Heart conditions, addictions, grief, pain, brokenness. There is no argument that we need healing. But the second statement, God will heal us, that statement causes us to pause and wonder, will he? Certainly God can, but don't we wonder, will he? We question, will God really heal my body? Will God heal my disease? Will God heal my loved one? Will God heal my difficulties, my ailments? 
in this world of hospitals and pharmacies and all kind of ambulances and uh, all the things dealing with health care today, will God really heal his broken and wounded children? For me, in John 5, it gave the assurance that Jesus wants to bring us wholeness. He asked, do you want to be made well? Jesus wants to heal, but the internal struggle that we have inside centers around the question of, will he? In Matthew 20, and it's going to be on the screen, or you can look at it in your Bible, I found the answer uh, to that question for me. So picture this scene in your mind. Let's look at verse 29 of Matthew 20. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But the two men shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Now watch this. Verse 32. Jesus stopped. And he called them, what do you want me to do for you? Don't miss that question, folks. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. And Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. In Matthew 20, uh, we are only hours from Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus' popularity is at a sky high. Yeah, people have come to celebrate Jesus as he enters Jerusalem. It's only weeks away from his crucifixion. So as he's entering in and he's walking the path, uh, the crowd hears uh, a, a voice from the crowd that says, Lord Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on us. And the people turn, and what they see is so pitiful. They see two men on the side of the road. Their clothes are tattered. Faces are leathered from the sun. Their eyes are vacant, possibly. The crowd would have chosen to pass them by. The crowd would have said, pipe down. Uh, the teacher's on a better mission. It's a more important mission than you. So you just pipe down. There's little doubt that the crowd would have left these two men by the side of the road. And in that how it is, when we have sickness, when we have affliction, when we have illness, when we have addiction, junk of this life, you name it, whatever we can name, it can cause a person just to be left on the side of the road. Now, if you're on the side of the road, you'd love to join in on the celebration if you could, but you can't. You can hear all that's going on. You can sense something special, but you haven't felt it yet. Why? Because your body isn't what it used to be. Maybe the tumor is still spreading, or the muscles continue to atrophy, or the virus keeps spreading. You would get in on the celebration if you could, but you can't. So what are you supposed to do with those conditions of mind and body? Here's what the blind men did, something that Matthew 20 teaches us. They gave it to Jesus. They cried out to him, 
Not once, but twice. Do you see the persistence in their prayers? They cried out, have mercy on us, son of David. What did they do? They called out to Jesus. They called out to him persistently. They called out to him passionately. They called out to him unapologetically. And they called out to him personally. Personally. They didn't call on Peter. They didn't call on John. They didn't call on any of the others. They went right to the top and they called on Jesus. Here's the reason that you and I need to do the same. God's definition of salvation is salvation of the soul, of the spirit, and the body. Salvation comes from the Greek word so-so, which means to save, which also means to be made whole, which also means to make sound. God's goal, folks, is complete restoration of the Garden of Eden. And God will not, and God has not, ever abandoned that original plan. In Genesis, when God said, it is good, he was speaking, among other things, of the good physical health of Adam and Eve. Think about that. Adam and Eve were emotionally and physically sound and healthy. There was not cancer. There was no colds or no flus. There were no complaints. But when they rebelled against God, they fell away. And so it's called the fall for a reason. Because when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, they fell out of a relationship with God. They fell out of a relationship with one another. And then nature also fell out of harmony. And when there was a falling out in the body that happened in the garden, death entered the garden for the very first time. Here's how Scripture defines it. It's in Romans 5, verse 12. It's going to be on the screen as well. But look at it with me. It says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, that is Adam, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all sin. So it's like when sin opened the door, sickness walked in. That means that disease and sin are caused by the same rebellion. Do you see that? But here's our hope. Since disease and sin were caused by the same rebellion, doesn't it stand to reason that disease and sin can be cured by the same Redeemer? I mean, if Jesus can cure sin, He can cure disease, right? And so he came to do exactly that. God's goal is wholeness. God's cure is Jesus Christ. Turn a couple of chapters back to Matthew 8. I want you to see this. Because in Matthew 8, we read these words in verse 16. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. Do you see that? Now look at verse 17. This is where we're going to look. This was to fulfill all of verse 16 that he's talking about. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. 
He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Matthew is quoting Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is a prophecy about the cross, the act of redemption. Uh, Isaiah 53 is full of language of redemption. Look at verse 5 of Isaiah 53. It says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon Him, and by His wounds we are healed. With Easter just a few weeks away, words like sin, iniquity, transgressions remind us that Jesus went to the cross. This prophecy that we see in Isaiah states that Jesus went to the cross to deal with our sins. Yes, you bet He did. But there's more. In Isaiah 53, we also find the promise that Jesus went to the cross to take authority over our sickness. Back up one verse to Isaiah 53, verse 4. Because it's the very verse that Matthew referenced here in Matthew 8. And here's what we read. It says, Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. From the New English translation, that verse... Verse 4 says it this way. He took our illnesses. He took our diseases. This passage is saying that the same act of taking up our sin is applied to the taking up of our diseases. Just as Jesus took our sin to the cross and crucified our sins there, that same Savior took our cancer, took our disease, took our pain, took our hurts, took our grief, took our broken relationships. He carried and he nailed all of that to the cross as well. He claimed authority over our sin, but also over our sickness because God's goal is wholeness. And so Matthew, when Jesus he sees Jesus healing person after person after person. He says, wait a minute. I read about that somewhere. That's what Isaiah prophesied over 800 years ago. So, Bill, Jesus died for our sins, absolutely. And Jesus died for our sickness, you bet. That's the way I understand it. In fact, it is inconsistent to say that Jesus died to save your soul and not save your body. Remember, His goal is wholeness, complete wholeness. Sin and sickness were introduced by the same devil, but sin and sickness were defeated by the same Savior. Okay, Bill, if that's true, then why do I still get sick? For the same reason that we still sin. Because we live in a fallen world that God has yet to redeem. It won't be long until he does. The king is coming. The clock, it's ticking. Right now we live in a fallen state and we still sin. And in this fallen state, we still get sick. With Christ's return and with the redemption of the world, here's a difference. Jesus has authority over it. Yes, Jesus has authority to forgive sin 
And yes, Jesus has authority to deliver us from our sickness. So what does that mean? That means that any time that you and I, that we feel sick, that a disease hits our body, any time that you're dealing with a major disease or a small infection, anything that affects us emotionally or physically or spiritually or relationally, here's the first thing that we do. We say, Lord, have mercy upon me. Heal me. That's the invitation that we give to Jesus. Invite the Father to examine your body. Let every prayer include a moment just to say, Lord Jesus, please check me out. This stomach, it needs help. This right knee, it could use your healing. Lord, I give you my emotions. Just remember, the scripture says that you were bought with a price. And that includes your soul, but it also includes your body. You see, this body is going to be redeemed. There's going to be a new kingdom that God has for us. So this body, it too, has been bought with a price. So God, you own this body. This body could sure use some help today with all the aches, with all the pains, with all the disease. So Lord, examine my body. Our question was, will God heal you? The answer is yes. Yes, yes. He may heal you instantly. He may, just like in the New Testament where we read with a word or a touch, and they were healed instantly. And we have seen that lived out here at Getwell. Many times people will come in and they'll say, I have an upcoming test or a physical exam that's ahead. And I just need prayers of healing. And we gather at these altar rails and we anoint with oil and we lay hands on and we pray. And then that person goes to that appointment and they go and the doctor is kind of question, what happened? Because what we saw earlier is no longer there. And sometimes God just may heal instantly. We've seen it happen here time and time again. He may heal you gradually. We see that in Scripture. Or He may heal you dramatically. He did so with Lazarus. And so we may be wondering, why God? Why, why don't you just heal me instantly? And I agree with you. I'd rather that God heal all of us instantly. Maybe He's healing you gradually because He wants to use what you're going through as your sermon, as your testimony. Maybe part of your testimony is just how you just continue to hang in there. And as you hang in there, as you struggle with what you're going through, I want you to know the friends and family here at Getwell that are supporting you and cheering you on and praying for you as you make your next steps. I also want you to know that you're an inspiration to us because you don't give up and you're not walking away. You just walk through the hallways of this church. And I can see sermon after sermon walking the hallways of this church. 
I can look as we worship, and I can see testimony after testimony of people just praising God with hands lifted high, with voices and all the junk that you're walking through, but yet you still praise God. A couple of weeks ago as we served communion, I saw a sermon serving us communion. But when it's all said and done, who are we to say why God does and says what He does? It could be that God uses our sufferings to teach us or to teach others. Who knows? But here's what I do know. When we face these sufferings, we cry out from the depths of our heart, heart, Lord, I can't do this. Lord, I cannot do this. And we hear the voice of God say to us, that's what I've been waiting on. That's what I've been telling you. You can't do this alone, but I'm with you. For me, for those I love, given a choice. You bet that I would rather God heal instantly. But He may choose to heal us gradually. He may heal us dramatically. But here's something I know with all certainty. That God's going to heal all of us ultimately. There's no compromise on His part toward our ultimate healing. As I read Scripture, there's a time that's coming that these bodies are going to be changed. And the promise is that when Jesus is revealed, we will be like Christ. We'll be changed into the image of Him. So between now and then, what do we do? We keep praying, right? We keep pushing forward in prayer, leaning into prayer, calling out like the two blind men, have mercy on me, O Lord. And we walk away with assurance that when we pray, that He hears. Assurance that He is working on healing our bodies. When? I don't know. I do know that when we pray, He hears our prayers. I've been excited about this uh, sermon for several weeks, and many people have been praying for this service, even though it got postponed or canceled with a gathering. But as I was working on this sermon, I just happened to come across a video testimony of a guy by the name of Freddie Vest. Freddie uh, can tell you what it's like when people pray. Freddie lives in Texas. Uh, he competes in rodeos. He was in his saddle on July 2008 at a rodeo when he fell from that horse and immediately before he hit the ground, he was dead. Cardiac arrest. His best friend jumped off the fence that was there with him and he held Freddie's hands in his and he held Freddie's head in his hands. Uh, an EMT arrived and he began to give CPR to Freddie. And as they did, the rodeo arena announcer asked everyone present to begin praying for what was going on. The ambulance arrived. They transported Freddie to the hospital. 
The doctors met the family and said, expect the worst. They had to shock his heart twice. Uh, It looked bleak. It looked like there was no hope. But I want you to hear what Freddie has to say about prayers of the people and how he experienced it. So watch the screen and let's listen to Freddie's testimony. While his relatives and friends were praying at the hospital, Freddie says he was somewhere else. There's a Bible verse that uh, says absent from the body is present with the Lord. And when I fell off that horse, I was dead before I hit the ground. I was with the Lord and he didn't allow me to see what heaven was like, but he let me experience what it felt like to be in heaven. He showed me the love that's there and there's more love than you can imagine. I mean, the feeling of how much love it is is incredible and the peace that you have, it's a perfect peace. The only thing I can relate it to is when I was young, I'd crawl up my mother's lap and she would cradle me and hold me and rock me. And that was the most peaceful, safe, loving place. And that feeling, you could multiply it times a thousand and you still wouldn't be close to what it really feels like when you're there with the Lord. He allowed me to see the prayers that came up for me. And it started with one bolt of light. And then there was two bolts of light, and three, and then there was 10, and there was like hundreds, then there was thousands of bolts of light. Each one of those bolts of light was a prayer that someone had sent up for me. And when there got to be so many bolts of light, it exploded into the brightest light. And I don't know how to explain it. It was just a very, very bright light. And that's when God sent me back. And when I came back from that, I was in the hospital bed and they had my arms tied down. I was on life support. They had a tube down my throat, had an IV in my hand and one in my neck. And when I came to, I tried to struggle and get up. And the nurse there said, Mr. Vest, you're okay. And I just looked at it and I said, mm-hmm. They said, no, okay, you don't know where I've been. This, this doesn't compare to okay. Freddie made a full recovery, but he still questioned what he'd experienced. For a while, I thought, well, I've got to do something. I've got to make something happen for the Lord. He sent me back for a purpose. I need to go make something happen. That wasn't it. For several months, I did that and prayed every morning. Why? And so he took me to Jeremiah and uh, showed me a verse there. And the verse simply says, you will go to whom I send you to and you will say what I have you to say. And I'm a simple person, but I understood that. And that's my purpose. I don't try to make things happen now. I wait for the day and when he takes me to someone and I say what he has me to say. And that makes it pretty simple. Today, Freddie and his family savor their time together, though Freddie says he still anticipates returning to the place he calls home. Heaven is real. It's a real place. He's a real person. and I look forward to the day that I will get to be there, but I'm not pushing it at this point. At first, when I came back, I, I was ready to go the next day, you know, but I love my family. 
I love my kids, I love my wife, and I'll stay as long as he allows me to stay. But when I do go, they don't have to worry about me. Dying is easy, living is hard. There's someone out there that needs to know that heaven is a real place, God is a real person, and when you take that last breath, if you're a Christian, you're going to meet him. Freddie said that dying is easy and living is hard. And we come into this place uh, Sunday after Sunday, and we bring all of our brokenness, and we mask it. But yet we look in Scripture, and it says in John 5, that he has a desire to heal us. We look in Matthew 20, and it says to us, all we have to do is just call on his name. Lord, have mercy. I don't know what the healing is that's going on in your life. It just needs to be mended. Uh, the brokenness it needs to be shored up. Uh, the physical healing the emotional healing, the relational, the spiritual healing. I had so looked forward to uh, our time of prayer at these altars where our prayer ministry team could pray over you, but today I'm privileged to pray over you. As you gather in your den, your living room, we're going to have a time just of silence where you can name the thing that needs healing. Well, you can get on your knees or you can just hold the hands of your family. I don't think it's by mistake that weeks ago we planned this sermon series. And the text that we had for today dealt with physical healing with all that's going on. And so it's my honor to pray over you. I'm going to give you a moment just to be with the Lord. And then I'm going to pray. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I ask you to uh, heal us. Hear the prayers of your children. I ask you to invade their home, invade where they are right now. It's a sacred space. Now, they don't need words of a prayer ministry team. They don't need words of a preacher. They just need words from you. And Lord, help us just put down the mask. Help us not play like we've got it all together. But let us just run to you and say, Lord, have mercy. Son of David, have mercy on me. Whether it's physical healing, let that begin right now. Be the hope in the journey of physical healing. Whether it's broken relationships, Lord, begin that healing now of mending it back together. Putting down pride so it no longer has a place that will keep us separated, where there's emotional healing that's necessary. It's the hardest thing for us 
to not continue to think about the things that we think about that just rob us of our joy. Lord, come and heal that emotionally and where spiritually. A lot of us say, well, I'm not sure about all that, but I default and I defer to the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who created us, the one who has our best interests at stake, the one who wants wholeness for his children. We defer to you, Lord, and let get well be a place where we're all getting well. And we lift this prayer to you. It's in the sweet name of Jesus that I pray. Amen.